The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And good morning, everybody. This is Ray Hanania here at the Ray Hanania Radio Show, Wednesday, July 21, 2021. We have a great lineup of guests and topics this morning, and I want to begin by offering my best wishes to all Muslims on this important holiday this week, the Eid al-Adha. Eid Mubarak, everyone. I hope you have a blessed Eid. And just to let our guests know, uh, I have two guests later that we're going to be talking in about a few minutes um, that we're going to talk with about the uh, controversy between Egypt and Ethiopia over the Grand uh, Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Uh, Ahmed Redi Omer, who is based in Washington, D.C., um, and also Mohammed El Satoui, who is uh, from New York Bureau of Frontcom LLC. I know that uh, Mohammed El Kanani was going to talk to us about uh, how well Saudi Arabia has managed the Hajj, uh, especially in the wake of this is the second one uh, under coronavirus and COVID. There's a reporter with Arab News who uh, will tell us about how the Eid has gone so far. Uh, and the Hajj in Saudi Arabia. And tell us, first of all, how did uh, the Eid go in uh, Saudi Arabia this week? And Eid Mubarak, by the way, to you also. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ray. Well, everything here in Saudi Arabia, people are celebrating the uh, Eid occasion, and uh, they are rejoicing. And uh, uh, I'm here actually in Mecca. I know it's tough to get cell phone reception there in Mecca. I know that uh, Mohammed Al Kanani was going to talk to us about uh, how well Saudi Arabia has managed the Hajj, uh, especially in the wake of this is the second one uh, under coronavirus and COVID, and uh, everything I understand went great. Yeah, yes, can you hear me, Ray? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, Sorry about yeah. that. I know it's tough to get okay. cell phone reception there in Mecca. Yeah. Sorry for that. No, that's okay. So everything I heard was really well, uh, you know, in spite of coronavirus, this being the second time, right? Second year that they've had the... Uh, yeah, the second season. Tell us about that. Well, uh, Hajj is always a challenge. And I think uh, the decision of uh, downsizing the number of pilgrims uh, uh, has helped a lot in the success of this year's Hajj. How, how many they, were how many were downsized? I know that they had like sixty thousand. Uh, exactly. And exactly. how many normally yeah. would you have? Do you think how many would be there normally? We normally receive uh, from uh, yeah, over over uh, two point five million pilgrims wow. every year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you yeah. can imagine you can imagine how these uh, numbers of pilgrims gather in one place like Mina which is nearly uh, five kilometers, uh, five uh, square kilometers only. Yes, and last year, did they, uh, were they able to have the Hajj last year for the Eid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And same thing, restricted to the number of attendees? Sure. Yeah, sure. Wow. Give us a little quick sense and uh, of uh, what it was like uh, this year for the Eid. I mean, what did uh, what was different about it from a normal uh, Hajj? Well, uh, people are now celebrating Eid al-Adha uh, with, uh, of course, with health measures, uh, uh, social distancing, uh, people uh, uh, prefer to uh, exchange greetings of Eid through uh, WhatsApp messages or uh, just social media. Yes. Yeah, and I know that uh, if people want to read about the Eid and some of the stories you've written, Mohammed, they can go to ArabNews.com. Um, I believe one of the stories you had that, uh, you know, that the Hajj nears, you know, is concluding and that everything has gone well so far. I think that's phenomenal, given all the different things that are going on. Mohammed, I, I think because of the cell phone thing, I'm going to have to say thank you for joining us, all right? Okay. Oh, there you are. I, any final thoughts about the uh, Eid? Well, I'm here in, in Mecca covering the uh, Hajj event, and I'm staying in, in, uh, in my tent most of the time or uh, going around the tents and uh, meeting uh, pilgrims, uh, officials. And any questions about that? Yeah. Yes, that's phenomenal. And how and are people uh, pleased with the way things are going? All right, Mohammed. Listen, let me just say thanks to Mohammed El Kanani who joined us from Arab News newspaper. Uh, Mohammed uh, is in Mecca, um, and he's uh, connecting with us by cell phone, um, giving us a little update on what's happening. I'm Rayhan Ania. We're going to take a quick break here at the Rehan and Nia Morning Show. And when I come back, we're going to talk with Omar Ahmed Reddy, who is based in Washington, D.C. He is the managing director and editor-in-chief at the Ethiopian Ifriqiya Media and Communications. And then we'll also be joined by Mohammed El-Satoui, who is an Egyptian journalist and political analyst from the New York Bureau of Frontcom LLC. El-Satoui previously worked for El Ghad TV, and, and, it, uh, and many others. So listen, we'll take a break and we'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Imagine you're on a train track, somewhere miles away, a train is headed your way. You can't see it yet, but it's coming, slowly but surely. If you have prediabetes or you're at risk for type 2 diabetes, you may be on the wrong track, and diabetes could be heading your way. Bit by bit, the danger is getting closer and closer. So should you stay on the track you're on now or move to make a change and reduce your risk? If you have prediabetes or you're at risk for type 2 diabetes, you may qualify for the National Diabetes Prevention Program in your local community. This one-year program could be the ongoing support you need to put you on the right track. Not only did participants lose weight, they cut their risk of type 2 diabetes in half. Ready to get on board for a healthier future? 
Learn more about the National Diabetes Prevention Program and what else you can do to manage and prevent diabetes at michigan.gov diabetes. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. New Dawn Academy provides your kids with a curriculum that's rich in science, technology, engineering, and math. We want students to really experience what problem solving looks like. What does it mean to build things together? And really working on those analytical skills is what makes New Dawn Academy's program very unique. This school will certainly provide them with academic excellence, but also state-of-the-art buildings and inviting to students. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcasts content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. Welcome back to the Ray Hanania Radio Show. It is Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. And uh, we just did a little segment on the Eid with Mohammed Al-Kanani, who was with us from Mecca. And uh, it was a little tough connection there, but uh, <clears throat> they've done a great job over there with... Uh, uh, the Eid, this high holiday, Eid Mubarak to all my Muslim friends out there and everybody at the Arab News and my guests. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at the mounting crisis between Ethiopia and Egypt over the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam that is significantly, from the Egyptian standpoint, reducing water flow from the Blue Nile, which provides the majority of water to the Nile area that runs through Sudan and Egypt. Um, with us this morning are two journalists, the managing director and editor-in-chief at the Ethiopia's agency, Ifriqiya Media and Communications, Omar Ahmed Reddy. Thank you so much for being so patient and joining us. I appreciate it. We also uh, have or will have um, Egyptian journalist and political analyst, Mohammed El Satoui from the New York Bureau of Frontcom LLC. El Satoui previously worked for Al Ghad TV and Nile News Egypt TV. Let, let me start with, uh, I'm going to ask both of you what you each believe is the it's good. First of all, it's good to have two professionals like both of you, Ahmed Radiomar and Mohammed El Satoui, to join us. It's such a big topic. 
Um, but let me start with uh, Omar Ahmed Reddy. Tell us what you believe are the two positions of Egypt and Ethiopia on this dam. How do, they, how do you see uh, it being uh, presented? Uh, thank you for having me, Ray Hanania. I hope you can hear me. Clearly. Yes, you sound perfect. All right, thank you. Uh, Africa Media and Communications is a, a communications company, not a news agency. Okay. Uh, that said, on the announcement on your Facebook, uh, you uh, stated that uh, the dam Ethiopia's building, which is the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, uh, is significantly harming Egypt's uh, the flow of uh, water to Egypt. Uh, uh, in your introduction, you actually corrected it. You say from an Egyptian standpoint, that is yes. the allegation uh, of the Egyptian side. It's yes. not a fact, so it shouldn't be stated as a matter of fact. As a journalist, okay. I noticed that. Uh, now, the the major uh, issue between Egypt and Ethiopia uh, are. Uh, Egypt, the Egyptians have a history hegemony over the Nile River, uh, over the Nile waters, uh, having the only uh, treaty or agreement that was signed in, the, in 1929 and 1951 or 59, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's 1959 between Egypt and uh, Great Britain as a colonizer of uh, Sudan. Uh, and both uh, Egypt as well, uh, that shares the water between Egypt and Sudan. Now, the, with Ethiopia coming up with this grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, it, Egypt's hegemony is threatened. So basically, is, is Egypt's position is maintaining that water hegemony over the Nile River, uh, not about actual uh, security, water security issues. Uh, the... The Ethiopian position is that the dam would be constructed, would be uh, operational uh, as per international norms and laws uh, regarding uh, cross-boundary rivers, international uh, rivers, without causing significant harm to downstream countries, which in this case are Sudan and uh, Egypt. Uh, regarding Sudan, the river, the, the dam actually is beneficial in many ways than one, uh, but the main benefit uh, being that it will address the constant flooding uh, Sudan has been exposed to, especially during the main rainy season in Ethiopia, which is from uh, July, end of June, July, August, uh, towards the beginning of uh, September. Uh, so uh, this is a hydroelectric dam. It, it, uh, it is going to continue to flow. Uh, Ethiopia has done the second round of filling without actually causing any significant harm, without reducing the flow of the water. Uh, we know that the second round of the filling is completed and there hasn't been any uh, harm, any reduction in the flow of the water either in Sudan or in, in Egypt. Otherwise, we would have, be, we would have known. Uh, and and we'll, imp we'll improve the discussion as we go through the and, and Omar, just to let you know, I did correct the uh, description on Facebook for you. Thank you for pointing that out. It is accurate to say that that's the Egyptian position, that it's harming it. You're basically saying that uh, this is really about who controls the dam or who believes that it should be controlled and is more of a power political issue than it is about actual water flow then. That's what I sense from what you've just said. Um, 
Yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that the, the Egypt, uh, Egypt has enjoyed for years and years, for decades and decades, uh, without any, uh, you know, competition uh, in the in the in the sense of uh, using the Nile waters for development purposes by upstream countries, any of the upstream countries. Uh, so I understand if Egypt feels a little bit, uh, you know, um, unhappy about it, but they're uh, blowing it out of proportion uh, to the extent of taking this matter to the UN Security Council. This is a clearly uh, development uh, issue. It's not a security issue. And the UN Security Council uh, uh, did respond to that accordingly, saying it should go back to the African Union. Uh, I'm not saying that the Ethiopia, Egypt, and Sudan should not negotiate and discuss on this matter. They should. They should continue. They should agree. I'm not saying that uh, Ethiopia or, or any other upstream country should be inconsiderate of the concerns of uh, Egypt and Sudan, the, uh, but they should also be understood that Egypt and Sudan should also understand these countries, upstream countries, not just Ethiopia. They are the, there are about eight upstream countries other than Ethiopia. They have development needs. They need to use the waters of the Nile River with, uh, with the principle of equitable share and equitable usage without harming the downstream uh, countries. All right, let me turn to Mohammed El Satoui. Mohammed, thank you for being patient. And again, I really appreciate you joining the program also uh, with Omar uh, to talk about this very important issue. Um, how do you view it as, uh, you know, this, the controversy between Ethiopia and Egypt? Is it about control of the water or is it a political issue? Um, what's your perspective on it? And how do you view both sides? What do you believe Egypt is trying to do? And what do you believe Ethiopia is trying to do? Uh, thank you, Ray, for having me on your show. And thanks, Omar, and happy Eid to all. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Actually, uh, uh, listening to uh, our friend Omar, you'd feel like there is nothing there and we're making a big fuss of nothing. And uh, it, it is just because Egypt is worried about its hegemony over the Nile and so on. Uh, by nature, geography, Egypt is on the receiving end. So we can't in Egypt control the Nile. We can just receive what we consider to be a fair share or even less than what we need. Egypt is one of the driest countries in the world, if not the driest uh, ever. Uh, so for Ethiopia, you can see that they don't have any lack of water. Uh, they have like uh, more than 900,000 billion cubic meters. So they have the water, but they are thinking only of the Egyptian share, which is only 55.5 billion. So they're ignoring what could be like a trillion cubic meters on their side. They don't really use much of it, would go away. Uh, the, the, the share of their cattle only uh, of water is more than uh, Egypt and Sudan's share of water. But still, they consider this water coming to Egypt and Sudan as 
the only source for development that they need to control so they can develop their country. And still, uh, on the Egyptian side, they were flexible. Uh, they understood that Ethiopia needs to have their projects. Some of them are mega dams like uh, uh, the GERD. And personally, I think it was a big mistake to allow uh, Ethiopia to start with to have a mega project like this one. If the only purpose is development and uh, develop uh, and have electricity, then you don't need that uh, huge capacity, capacity of uh, 74, 74 billion cubic meters. You don't need all of this water for electricity. So to have it like that, it means, and it is clearly designed for control. Uh, and do you think, do you think uh, Ethiopia is trying to take control of the Nile? It's not that I think, what I think, it is a fact. And they are talking now about uh, sharing water and they are talking about this is our Nile. Uh, the Nile and the river has become like a lake and it is ours. And whatever water, nobody has any right whatsoever in this water. So I'm not just claiming, I'm taking their words. Uh, uh, so this dam, mega dam, enables them to achieve what has been always clear to be a political, geopolitical purpose, which is to control the Nile. Now, what is the point of controlling the Nile other than pushing downstream countries, Sudan and Egypt in particular, because we uh, uh, rely on uh, the Nile for 97% uh, uh, of our needs in Egypt. So you control the Nile, you are destroying the country. It is that simple. So to allow it to happen is a destruction of a whole country of more than 100 million people. So I, I, I don't think this, is, this should be uh, uh, permitted. And uh, I, 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 I have been following this issue for so long, and I have no uh, uh, conclusion other than it has to be fixed and it has to be done and uh, reach a real resolution very quickly because you can't let go with that uh, for so long. Okay. And obviously, I invited both of you um, because of your backgrounds, uh, Omar being Ethiopian, Mohammed being Egyptian. And obviously, I know you don't represent the countries that we're talking about, but I think it's fascinating to hear the different perspectives that I don't think we hear in the media. We have, you know, we're on radio, so I have to take a quick radio break here. But when I come back, I want to ask you, do you think that any of the agreements that were signed, were they breached, were they legitimate, were they imposed on countries? Um, can that be repaired? Or do you feel that maybe we're headed toward a war between Egypt and Ethiopia? I'm Ray Hanania here at WNZK AM 690 Radio in Detroit and WDMV AM 700 Radio in Washington, DC. Broadcasting live on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arab News and also the U.S. Arab Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break with our two uh, phenomenal guests, Omar Ahmed Reddy, who is based in Washington, D.C., and journalist 
Mohammed El Satoui, who is in the New York Bureau of Frontcom LLC. I'm Maria Anania. We'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Ziad Brand. Quality products from our family to yours. Ziad Brothers Importing offers the finest quality products, including brands like Sultan, Kraft, Nestle, Hook, Rico Picon, Donna, and many more. Ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best. For more information, visit our website at www.ziad.com. That's www.ziad.com. Ziad, quality products from our family to yours. Now getting your COVID-19 shot gives you a shot to win. Anyone in Michigan 18 and older vaccinated between December 1st, 2020 and July 30th, 2021 is now eligible to win millions in cash prizes, including million-dollar jackpots and $50,000 daily prizes. And vaccinated students could win thousands in college scholarships. Get eligibility details and enter at mishottowin.com. Subject to sweepstakes rules. Scholarships available for ages 12 to 17. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali Abagdadi and Fatty Bottom serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali Abagdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in an authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all CDC guidelines and is open every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at H-Town Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. Welcome back to the Ray Hanania Radio Show here in Detroit on WNZK AM 690 Radio and Washington, D.C. on WDMV AM 700 Radio, broadcasting live on the U.S. Arab Radio Network at ArabRadio.us and also on video and audio at facebook.com slash Arab News with the Arab News newspaper. My two guests on the line are Omar Ahmed Reddy, who is based in Washington, D.C. He's with the Ethiopian Ifriqiya Media and Communications Company, and Egyptian journalist and analyst Mohammed El Satoui, who is in New York. Um, Omar, what did, you, what did you think of the question I left before we took the break? Um, is this going to, I mean, it's little things like this sometimes, and I know it's not a little topic, but 
to the rest of the world, it may seem little, but this could lead to war, couldn't it? Uh, thank you. Uh, just to uh, uh, add a few points on what Mohammed uh, has, has said, uh, you know, right there in his statement uh, are some of the main problems uh, with, the Egyptian, with the Egyptian side. Uh, mainly the attitude uh, and sense of entitlement to dictate terms and what other, up, especially upstream countries, need to do or not need to do. Uh, for example, he said in the, Ethiopia shouldn't have been allowed to start this uh, project in the first place. That's exactly the problem. That's exactly what I was saying. The Egyptians have problem with uh, their hegemony being threatened. He said shouldn't be allowed to start at all. Every Nile riparian country upstream and downstream has every right, equal right for any development project on the Nile Basin as long as it, 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 it is done in accordance with international uh, norms and practices and laws. This is not the first or the only uh, cross-boundary international river that countries argue about uh, development on uh, about the development. But weren't, there, but weren't there some agreements already between Egypt and Ethiopia? And I think Egypt is arguing that Ethiopia violated those agreements. Did they violate any agreements that they had with Egypt? As long as I am I'm, I'm concerned, as long as I understand, Ethiopia is still abiding by the DOP, the Declaration of Principles, which was signed uh, in 2015, has some uh, tenets. Uh, this is a, a document that dictates the principles of uh, going about the negotiations and discussions uh, regarding the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Um, Mohammed also mentioned uh, the, uh, the availability of other water resources in Ethiopia, uh, which uh, is partly true. There are other rivers uh, in Ethiopia. Uh, and uh, Ethiopia has done other projects. Uh, Ethiopia has done, um, you, you know, hydroelectric dams on the Tekazi River in the northern part of Ethiopia. Um, the, there are two dams in the southern parts of Ethiopia along the Omo River, and there are other dams. So uh, Ethiopia uses its resources within its right uh, uh, according its own uh, plans and as it sees fit. What the, the question should be whether it is in accordance with international law and customs and principles and whether it is violating uh, the DOP. That should be the question. Now, well, let coming, me ask, let me coming just back ask to your question, to your main question. Uh, for Ethiopia, it has always been a development issue. Uh, there are concerns downstream, so there is a natural uh, tendency and importance to have a discussion. Uh, there is naturally misunderstanding uh, on the, the needs of the different countries, but that should be addressed through negotiations and the discussions with the right uh, body um, hosting the negotiations, that is the, the African Union. Uh, Why not the it, United Nations? Well, that undermines the authority of the African Union. The, all the riparian countries are uh, the member states of the African Union. Uh, 
only two of them are members of uh, the, the Arab League. Uh, uh, for example, it's just Sudan and Egypt that are uh, members of the Arab League. Even the Arab League being involved on this matter is uh, out of its, its scope. So. Uh, let, yeah. let, me, let me ask Mohammed to uh, jump in here. And is it, it sounds like, you know, uh, what uh, Omar is saying is that, you know, water in Ethiopia is their right to do whatever they want, even if it does flow into other countries. Um, but it seems like this project is, at least from the Egyptian side, correct? having a huge impact on the water flow, so it's directly impacting Egypt? Not really whatever they want. What I say is it's in Ethiopia's rights to use which, whichever water resource for any development purpose as it sees fit based on international principles and customs without harming the downstream countries. Okay, Mohammed. You know, I said without harming the downstream countries. If the Ethiopians really realize this statement and behave accordingly, I don't think we would have a problem right now. The thing is that they are ignoring the rights. They are ignoring the, uh, the possibility that they are really not just harming, they are killing, destroying a whole country in the process. And it is not something of their concern. Uh, the Ethiopians unfortunately behaved like that with Kenya, with Somalia before, uh, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Yes. Do you believe the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam would erase the flow of the Nile water completely? You know what? You don't have to control 100% of the water to be a threat. When you have 74 billion cubic meters in control, which is one and a half the share of Egypt of the water, and then you allow yourself to behave with, unilaterally, without asking permission, without even coordinating, without even notifying. You are talking about Ethiopia being behaving according to the international law. As an upstream country, international law would require Ethiopia to coordinate and reach an agreement with downstream countries before Ethiopia is even... negotiating. Ethiopia is discussing, and on the amount what of the of water, negotiations, Omar? on the amount of the water, let me tell you one thing: Ethiopia has done two rounds of filling, which is now about twenty billion cubic meter. Uh, first year about four point five or five. Now it's about uh, thirteen or fifteen. A billion cubic meter, which is about 20 billion cubic meter of water already is uh, filled in the dam. The remaining amount is less than a third, I mean, uh, about a third of the amount is already in the reservoir. And we, this hasn't caused any uh, significant impact downstream. It is done during the, the main rainy season of the season of the Ethiopia. And the last two years, including this year, have the rain has been very generous in Ethiopia, and this rain, uh, the rainy season, rain would have been uh, wasted had it not been Ethiopians' persistence to go ahead and fill the dam. It has actually saved Egypt and Sudan from any uh, harm coming due to the filling process of the dam, because Ethiopia has made sure this amount of water is filled during this generous rain. Listen, um, listen. Yes. you asked me a question. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. Sure. Why do you have 74 billion cubic meters for the reservoir? 
if you really want it for development and and electricity, why do you need that huge amount of water? That's a very technical uh, question. The details of which I cannot tell you everything because I'm not uh, the, the expert on the technical and the engineering part of it. What I can tell you is this is a hydroelectric dam which Ethiopia is investing a lot of money on, about $5 billion. And if you don't uh, have enough uh, reservoir, enough water to generate uh, power during dry uh, seasons, you're going to affect downstream countries, countries naturally. So this is actually a benefit to downstream countries. The fact that Ethiopia is having a huge reservoir at times of drought and shortage of water, Ethiopia can continue to generate power without uh, you know, arresting the flow of the water. Once the dam is filled to its full capacity, be it in five years or three, five, seven years, it will continue to flow naturally. That's the, the simple piece. I'm, I'm not sure about this, and this Th is the problem, the Omar. It's and you now know what? Flowing. It's now flowing. Look, Even look, with the second look. filling of the dam, it's already flowing now. Look, that's look. that. And this is 6,000. You didn't megawatt. have an answer to my question about I the have. new size of the reservoir. This it's is a 6,000 megawatt. No. You are not an engineer. Okay, I understand that. 6,000 megawatt. Yeah. Listen, if you, if you don't have an answer, I'm asking you to go for professional Ethiopian engineers who understand in this. And I'm telling you, the, you now, there is no need for such a huge reservoir to have 74 billion cubic meters for just electricity. It is mainly built and designed for control and hegemony on the Nile. And this is the problem now. We are talking about Egypt's hegemony on, uh, over the, Nile, uh, the river. They want to control, blah, blah, blah. This is the other problem here, is that there is no need for Egypt to control. We just need our share of water and live together and be fine. The thing is that you go and build a huge dam to control the water coming and say, if, if, and if we complain about it, it's a, it's a hegemony from the Egyptian side. No, get your own right for developed. Actually, Egypt offered Ethiopia to uh, share with them building the, the dam uh, contributing, investing, coordinating everything, but the Ethiopian side didn't want to. Ethiopia is uh, a sovereign that. country. What? Ethiopia is a, a sovereign country. Nobody's uh, questioning that, but for a yeah. question for a sovereign country to control water going to other countries and killing them in the process, this is not about sovereignty. This is about aggression. Omar, let me ask. Let me ask you, Omar. Any natural flow of the river, anyways, with a dam, you can't really control 100. percent You can't really erase the flow of a dam. You don't have to. You have to. You don't have to control 100 percent to threaten others, especially if the others rely 100 percent or 97 percent of their needs are rely mainly on the on the on the on the Nile. You can just stop. 50% of it or 25% of it without agreement. And the, the, you know what is the problem uh, uh, with the Ethiopians in the negotiations? We're talking about negotiations. What kind of negotiations? We've been talking for 10 years and the Ethiopian side doesn't want even to use the word agreement. Okay, let's call it guidelines. They don't want to put the word agreement. For why? Why, why is that? Simply because they don't want, want any binding legal 
document. So yeah. it's our yeah, 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 it's wow. our water. We can control it. If we give you something, it's our choice. If we stop it, it's our sovereignty. So this is how the Ethiopian approached this no, issue. It, and it, this is the root of the problem. The negotiations have been going on for years and years because the three countries couldn't agree on certain things, not just Ethiopia. Ethiopia has its uh, demands. Egypt has its demands. Sudan has its demands. Now, the problem, uh, as far as I understand, is mainly from Egyptian side, trying to make this a water-sharing agreement. This is not a water-sharing agreement. This is a, a, a negotiation or an agreement on the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. It's a water-sharing agreement on the Nile is another thing on its own. It should be negotiated among the 11 riparian countries. So Ethiopia would not agree to a water-sharing agreement uh, under the cover of Nile, I mean, Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. That's true. That's what Ethiopia is trying to avoid. As long as it's about the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, and as long as it's, it uh, uh, ascertains, as long as it respects its development needs, Ethiopia would agree. Why not? Omar, uh, let me uh, Omar, let me ask you a question, and then uh, uh, we'll take a break, and I'll come back to Mohammed. But uh, just really quickly, would how would Ethiopia react? Would they be any different than Egypt if this were reversed? If the water were flowing from north to south, would they be upset if the Egyptians built a dam like this? Uh, like I said earlier, I would understand if Egyptians were to be concerned or to be unhappy uh, about uh, the, the, this uh, development. It's a new mega uh, project uh, on the river that they uh, have uh, enjoyed um, without any uh, concern to up upstream countries. So if Ethiopia were downstream country, I would say there could be uh, uh, this kind of unease, but if Ethiopia were downstream country, Ethiopia should also understand the needs of Egypt upstream for development. All right, let's take a quick break here at uh, the Ray Anania radio show on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, uh, the greater Detroit region, Michigan and Ohio, and also on WDMV AM 700 radio in Washington, D.C., Maryland and uh, Virginia. I'm Ray Anania with our two guests. We're going to take a quick uh, radio break. And when we come back, we'll at, go to Mohammed and uh, Go to that question, is this going to lead to war? Is there a fear that that's where we're headed? I'm Rehan Ania. We'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji, and at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. 
Visit us at www.kachanjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have to offer you. And I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F. Or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. Enjoy the first Syrian-style cuisine in Michigan. At Damas Cuisine and Catering, you'll find a wide selection of Syrian foods and sweets in our menu, like free cake, boise, grape leaves with steak, mashawi platter, hot mahashi, char-grilled kebang, shawarma, and much more. Get super fast delivery from Damas Cuisine and Catering right to your door. Order online at damascuisine.com forward slash menu and track your order live. Damas Cuisine and Catering, 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248-987-4985. At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. And I want to welcome you back to the Ray Hanania Radio Show there. I guess I was waiting for the little intro over there. Again, technology. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Program will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And now welcome back. We have two great guests who I think this discussion has really kind of opened up the issues a lot for both of us. Mohammed, uh, before the break, I had asked if uh, uh, you felt that this is this issue that serious where it could lead to a military conflict between Egypt and uh, Ethiopia? Is that where we're headed, do you think? Or, or is that too early? Is it very serious? Yes, it is. Could it lead to uh, a military conflict? It is certainly possible. And it's not because, the, because, because you know, when there is an existential threat uh, to a country, you can expect anything to happen. Uh, when I said Ethiopia shouldn't have been allowed to start with to start this kind of project, it wasn't uh, because of, I want Egypt to control and dominate and blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, maybe uh, Omar didn't get my point clearly. Uh, Ethiopia had the right, sovereign right, to start projects and to develop and have electricity and do everything they want and to use the Nile. 
But the kind of project, the mega project that they have is not about development, it's not about electricity, it's about dominance and control. For Egypt to allow another country, even a friendly country, let alone uh, people sometimes talk in Ethiopia in a very uh, aggressive way about Egypt, but even a friendly country, you can't let others control your destiny the way it is right now with Megadam uh, 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 GERD. It's a, an existential threat for the Egyptians. This could lead to anything, including a military conflict. I personally don't want that. I wish we can avoid that. However, I can't rule it out. And for the Egyptians to use force to, con to defend their very existence, I think it is very, it is their right. Is there, a, is there an ethnic or racial aspect to this that, you know, I mean, between uh, the Arab presence of North Africa versus the more African, uh, black African, uh, you know, members of Africa, is there like a racial aspect between this? And, and how many countries, Mohammed, does Egypt uh, have support from in their position with Ethiopia? You know, I personally hope it is not ethnic. Uh, I personally, I, I, I wrote many times uh, criticizing e e Egypt and its policy uh, that they should be more engaged with Africans and uh, with Ethiopia and other countries in, in Africa. And I still think this is the case. They should do more uh, to open up to uh, Africans and have more trade and investment and, you know. Uh, unfortunately, this hasn't been the case for so long. And it's time, it's about time to change that. However, this shouldn't be related to what we're talking about now with regard to the dam. Uh, uh, this is a problem that has to be dealt with. Ethiopia has to be more flexible to accept that, that there are rules. They have to be ob obligated with a binding legal agreement. The, so far, they don't accept this premise that it is our water, our river, we do whatever we want. So they don't want any agreement whatsoever. They don't want any binding legal issues. So if, if they insist in, in, in doing that, this certainly would lead us to a bigger conflict, which we all hope to avoid. Omar, what do you think of the idea, the question that I asked earlier about uh, could this lead, or is there a feeling that this might lead to war or do you think that that's still an option that's way down the line? And is there a racial or ethnic aspect to this conflict? Yeah, I would, I would react on the, to both questions. Thank you. Um, first, on the uh, prospect of uh, war, water wars, uh, I don't think that is um, possible. That's, uh, I don't think that's uh, going to happen uh, because I believe uh, both countries understand that this is uh, not the right uh, response, the right approach uh, to address uh, the issue. And if that is uh, picked up as an option, it is, uh, not, it's, it's not going to end well uh, to both countries. I, that said, I should also mention the, the effort by uh, the Egyptian government to internationalize this issue, uh, to turn it into a security matter is 
partly associated with the internet politics in Egypt, where the administration of uh, al-Sisi uh, has uh, internal issues uh, to divert. Uh, in the U.S., uh, Washington has been helping uh, Egypt because it's a major ally in the Middle East. Uh, and in uh, return to its favor uh, concerning uh, the Middle East, the peace negotiations between Israel and uh, Palestine, uh, Egypt, uh, Washington has offered, essentially offered Ethiopia as a sacrificial lamb. Uh, that's why the Washington negotiations failed. Now that the negotiations are back to the African Union, the only viable solution is to continue the negotiations and reach amicable an agreement that uh, would uh, address the needs of, of all sides. And that, I hope, is uh, the solution. Otherwise, a war uh, might be a the very distant possibility, but it is a mutually destructive uh, solution. On the racial element, um, the yes and no. Uh, no, because there is Sudan in the, in the downstream uh, uh, matrix, uh, which is uh, part Arab, part uh, black. Uh, but I agree with Muhammad that uh, Cairo has made uh, a disastrous mistake of uh, imposing a self-isolating policy on, its, on itself uh, against the rest of Africa. Uh, throughout the Mubarak administration, uh, Cairo has, it, it, for all practical purposes, left the African Union and the Africa uh, Brotherhood, the Pan-African uh, Brotherhood. Uh, it turned to the West and it turned to the East, to the Middle East, to the Arab countries. And even that attitude is affecting, uh, that behavior is affecting uh, it in the negotiations on the GERD because it's going to the Arab League, which is wrong, like I said earlier, the only member countries to the Arab League along, along the Nile Basin are Egypt and Sudan, and the Arab League doesn't have any legitimacy over this issue. It's not its business. So uh, the, uh, Russia, the Russian element has a, uh, a part, but not a significant uh, part, but it is in Egypt's uh, interest to come back to uh, Africa. And that starts with respecting the authority and mandate of the African Union and other Pan-African institutions. And this means stop taking this matter to the UN Security Council or any other foreign uh, body other than the African Union. Right, let me let me ask let me let, give Mohammed a, a minute there because we are at the end of the show and I'm going to tell you I, I appreciate the insight from both of you it's been very educational and I hope I can bring both of you back again to talk this uh, down the road as we see things progress but Mohammed I'll give you the final one minute uh, before we sign off. Uh, thanks, Ray, and thanks, Omar, for this kind of... Uh, I, I really enjoyed the discussion, and I really hope we can reach uh, a peaceful uh, agreement, uh, conclusion for this, because there are many possibilities for all the countries in the area 
uh, including Ethiopia and Egypt and Sudan. And let's not forget about Sudan and uh, who are while talking about. It's not a, a mutual issue between Egypt and Ethiopia. All Sudan is part of the tripartite uh, uh, negotiations and the, uh, they also have their own interests in the process. Uh, I think it is possible to reach a peaceful conclusion. My only problem is the Ethiopian intransigence. They have a problem with their attitude approaching the issue. This is our river, this is our Nile. It right. is not your Nile, it is not your river. It is for everybody benefiting from it. Let's go right. for uh, uh, to share the benefit, to share the burden. If you take I have it, to, I have to interrupt you, Mohammed, only because the radio is going to cut us all I off. But I want to thank Omar Ahmed Reddy and Mohammed El Satoui. And again, I want to bring you guys back on in a future show. Thank you both thank you. so very thank much. You, Ray. I'm Ray Hanania signing off. Uh, and we will see you next Wednesday. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye -bye. Have a good day.